Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Matt Ho joins us now. Matt, a pleasure as always, my dear friend. Uh, Just the other day, there was a tragic event outside the uh, Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., where an active duty uh, airman immolated himself by covering himself with some flammable liquid and starting it on fire. And he killed himself uh, and issued uh, beforehand very serious statements condemning the United States genocide in um, Gaza. United States supported genocide in Gaza. Since his death, we have seen, courtesy of our intrepid uh, friend Max Blumenthal, a copy of his orders. Here it is. Uh, directing preparedness and immediate compliance to fly to the Middle East when uh, ordered. And if you look at the date, you'll see it's back in November. Um, I obviously recognize that suicide is a horrific event and obviously indicates uh, a serious mental imbalance. However, are you surprised at the bubble Aaron Bushnell burst? and at the response from thousands of civilians and military to what he did. Uh, I think uh, this reaction, Judge, and again, thank you for having me back on as always. Um, this reaction is just, and it's appropriate, <clears throat> and it's appropriate. We should be honoring and respecting uh, what uh, uh, Aaron Bushnell chose to do, even if we don't fully understand why he chose that specific action. Self-immolation has a long history. It goes back thousands of years, uh, particularly in Eastern traditions. And people recall, of course, say the Buddhist monks who uh, burned themselves uh, in protest of the Vietnamese governments that we were supporting uh, back in the early 60s. Uh, so this connection to American imperial warfare uh, is also present in the use of self-immolation. Uh, but the response to what Aaron Bushnell did, uh, again, I think is just inappropriate. And I think his sacrifice should be utilized as others, uh, not to emulate uh, by any means, but as a source of motivation or inspiration. Um, what Aaron Bushnell was going through, Judge, was what a lot of American service members and veterans go through. This realization that they may have joined the American military thinking that they were going to be wearing the white hat, 
Uh, but mm. what they come to realize is that they are wearing a black hat. And Aaron Bushnell just felt that he could no longer continue to wear that black hat. And for him, the uh, the option of self-immolation was the way that he thought best to express his, uh, his, his complete resistance to the idea of being complicit in the genocide in Gaza. Is it, um, is there more of an, of an urge, uh, for members of the military, active duty members of the military to express disenchantment with the direction and the use of the military by political leadership when the military is hundred percent volunteer as it is now, as opposed to, uh, when it is largely filled with draftees, as was the case in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting if you look at the, the what's called the GI resistance to the Vietnam War, which was one of the very key, if not the most important aspect of the overall resistance uh, in the U.S. to uh, the Vietnam War. Uh, if you look at that GI resistance, a lot of it was led by those who have volunteered for the war. So what happens is that those who go into the military thinking they're doing the right thing, those who who, who are stepping forward and say, yes, I want to go forward. I want to protect my country. I want to defend our freedoms and liberties. I want to keep our country safe. Well, it's to them the great shock then, the moral injury of realizing that they are being betrayed, that they are not protecting their country or they are not protecting our freedoms and liberties. Their actions are not keeping Americans safe, but rather often the opposite, that their actions are counterproductive and wrong and that they are not serving the interests of the United States, but they're serving the political, the economic, and the financial interests of the American empire, and very often doing things that harm and bring great suffering onto others. So I, I think that burst bubble that you spoke about in terms of, of, of the public perception, uh, you know, Bushnell's self-immolation, how that burst a bubble, but also, too, you have to understand what, what his own bubble was burst. And so many other uh, American servicemen and veterans who have had uh, these uh, these realizations of betrayal, the, this very real trauma of moral injury. And that's what, of course, drives a lot of veteran suicide, particularly combat mm. veteran suicide, mm. is the guilt, it's the shame, it's the regret, it's the fact that you transgressed, you took part in something that violated your, your ethical, <coughs> your religious, your moral boundaries. You did wrong. And that type of moral injury is grave, it's severe. And, you know, according to that's just my opinion and not just someone who dealt with it, because that's what drove my suicidality after taking part in these wars. But based upon the literature we have about with all the research being done by universities and the Veterans Administration, as well as in other countries, that moral injury, that guilt, that shame, that regret is what is the chief driver in combat veteran suicide. And you saw that occurring with Aaron Bushnell. He Suppose. realized he was complicit and he was no longer going to do it. Suppose Bushnell's means was not fatal. Hmm. What would become of him? I mean, stated differently, what happens when members of active duty military say, the boss is crazy. They want us to engage in, in uh, genocide. I'm not going to do it. Before he's actually ordered to do it. Well, you know, the United States Army, uh, the United, or should I say the Pentagon, was very smart during the Iraq and Afghan war. There were tens of thousands of desertions within the U.S. military during that period, and it was hardly talked about. It was hardly mentioned. The United States military just what's called administratively separated those service members. So rather than 
going out, putting out a, 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 an APB, you know, getting county sheriffs to, to try and find these deserters. What they did was they just administratively separated, separated them because they didn't want the controversy. They didn't want the attention. They didn't want the, 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 the public uh, attention on the fact that tens of thousands of American service members were saying, I'm not taking part in these wars. I'm not going to serve any longer. Right. So they kept it out of the eye of the public. They kept the press away from it. They kept it from any high profile, uh, uh, you know, court martials. And I think that's what I, and I don't know what Bushnell's uh, uh, particulars were, his circumstances were. I, I don't know if he had orders to go to Israel or not. Um, but say he had uh, if he had chosen then to, to refuse orders. He would have then had a court martial, which would have also brought public attention on his refusal to accept those orders, his, his refusal it. of orders. So what what the what the Pentagon has done over the last couple of decades has been very savvy. It's been uh, a smart in a public relations uh, regard in terms of trying to minimize any attention dissent from within the ranks gets. Uh, again, what they've done with deserters and people who've refused orders is basically just administratively separated them and tried to keep it as quiet as possible because they don't want people to realize right that American service members and veterans are against this war, against those wars, which we know to be the case because right. we have they the also public don't want, They also don't want one of these trials with uh, an articulate uh, defense lawyer uh, listening from the mouth of the defendant yeah. and others, the horrors of uh, war and genocide. That's the last right. thing the government wants in an environment that the government uh, can't control. Um I have a lot of questions for you uh, involving uh, Ukraine, but before we do, over the weekend, Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu actually made a statement on one of the talk shows in which he inexplicably claimed the Israeli military is being careful in its targets. Yeah, it is careful to target every human being it can in Gaza. Does anybody take that? It, it aggravates me, and forgive me for getting angry. Does anybody take that seriously? Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Well, what's disturbing is in that in that speech he gives, he quotes uh, a gentleman who is at West Point, a former army officer named John Spencer, who is the head of the Urban Warfare uh, Institute or Urban Warfare Center at West Point. And this person, John Spencer, uh, supposedly argues that no army in the history of mankind has gone to more lengths, have gone to, 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 to greater uh, lengths 
than the Israeli army to protect civilians. Well, that is and, just absolutely untrue. Profoundly exactly. Untrue. And the, 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 the thing about that that should be so concerning, Judge, is that that person runs the Urban Warfare Center at West Point. And teaches just, West Point cadets? Exactly. And it just shows you the degree of corruption within the American military, within the, the greater American political establishment, right? But, but specifically within the military. And I want to point out that both West Point and the Army War College in the last 10 years or so have authored reports that have criticized, that have pointed out that the United States Army has a culture of lying, right? And, and so this is how you can have a, 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 you know, a circumstance like we see where all these people line up and support something that they know is wrong. All these people line up and they, they agree to go along with this great, bright, shining lie that somehow what Israel is doing is self-defense and not genocide. I mean, the, the, the amount of people involved in supporting uh, Israel's uh, genocide, its ethnic cleansing from the American side is massive. And those who go along with it, who are then enabled by people like this person at West Point who makes this claim that then there's really prime minister uh, you know, uh, uh, trumpets. Uh, well, you know, w w this is what Aaron Bushnell was up against. This right. is what he saw. And this is what, what pushed him to do such an extreme act because he knew that nothing else would matter. And I mean, so being around all, being in that complicity and just having that dissonance of knowing what you're seeing, of, of, your, of what your lying eyes are telling you, basically, because what you're being told is that, no, this isn't genocide. These aren't war crimes, you know, that this is a different case than. So, uh, I mean, this this what Netanyahu was saying, of course, was completely absurd, completely untrue. As someone who took part in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I have a lot of criticism for what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. We ruined millions of lives. But we did not carry out a genocidal rampage like the Israelis are carrying out in Gaza. Uh, but the fact that you have people who are part of the American military establishment going along with this assertion that the Israelis are protecting civilians. I mean, th this is just this just shows the degree of corruption, the, the degree of moral and intellectual dishonesty that is present, not just within the U.S. government, but specifically within the U.S. military. I smiled when you said bright, shining lie. And you know why? Because I have a library. I'm surrounded yeah. right now by four or 5,000 books. Somewhere in here is an autographed copy of Neil Sheehan's masterpiece, Bright, Shining Lie, which, of course, is a dissection uh, of the U.S. involvement uh, in, uh, in Vietnam. Right. If my arm was about three feet longer, Judge, I could I could reach my copy. And I tell people when they want when they want to know what books should I read uh, to understand the Iraq and Afghan wars, I always tell them two books: one, a bright shining lie about Nisha and by, by Neil Shahan, and the other, the best and the brightest by Debbie Haberstam. Yeah. Both of which are books about Vietnam. But if you read right. those books, right, you will understand the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I read Halberstam's other other book. The Making of a Quagmire, just mm. as good as the best and the brightest, uh, a little uh, a little less uh, political. Um, the uh, president of the United States, I don't know if we have this, uh, Chris, where Joe Biden refers to Putin's thugs killing uh, Navalny. Is that one of our clips? Maybe you can tell. Okay, we don't have that one. Joe Biden has said that... Uh, 
uh, Alexei Navalny was killed by Putin's thugs. This morning, the head of Ukraine Intel, the general who's in charge of Ukraine Intel, said, sorry to disappoint you. Mr. Navalny died of a blood clot. Right. Should we expect the president of the United States to apologize to the president of Russia? Right. If Budanov, who's the head of the Ukrainian military intelligence, GUR, uh, is saying this, then it has to be true. Because if someone like him, if such a, uh, a figure in Ukraine, uh, who uh, whose whole purpose every day is to, of course, demonize their enemy, um, you know, even in hyperbolic, uh, exaggerative terms that, that, that he uses, if he's saying that Navalny's death was from a natural cause, from a blood clot, uh, then that's most likely what it was. Because why would this person say anything that would come to the aid or the assistance or the benefit of Vladimir Putin and Correct. Russia? It also matches up with reports that are coming out that uh, nothing's been verified that supposedly Navalny was part of a prisoner exchange uh, between the U.S. and Russia, and that that, that exchange was imminent, um, as well as the timing of all this. Why would Vladimir Putin and his people decide to murder Alex Navalny right before the elections, right before their most recent successes in Ukraine, right right after the the the, the triumph? of that massive interview he did with Tucker Carlson, where he had hundreds and hundreds of millions right. of people watching. And, and while Navalny is in a maximum security prison in the Arctic Circle, 2,000 miles from Moscow. I mean, it just doesn't yeah, make sense. I mean, you can make the case, Judge, of course, that maybe his health wasn't as good as it should have been because he was in a prison in the Arctic right. Circle. I right. mean, certainly right. there's all that. and But you know, this, 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 triumphing of, of Navalny, one thing I've noticed like on my news aggregator, my Apple news feed, uh, his death for almost a full week was the top story yes. among American media. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just, uh, uh, it shows you the level and this not saying anything about Navalny himself, but just shows you the level of the American propaganda operation, the American propaganda effort, not just by the U.S. government, but by their allied mainstream Correct. media partners. Oh, but um, you'll have to search long and hard for this uh, piece about the head of Ukraine, right. uh, Intel, saying it was uh, it was a blood clot. Here's uh, number eight, Chris. Here's Victoria Newland uh, repeating the statements that uh, the, her boss, the president, made about Putin personally being responsible for Navalny's death, as well as the other stuff that she likes to ruminate about. Ukraine, as we saw in the news, has been forced to withdraw from Avdeyevka. Kharkiv, one of Ukraine's proudest eastern city, a Russian-speaking city, is bombarded daily in an effort to disable it. And Ukraine's economy is still fragile, with almost 100% of tax revenues going to defense now. Vladimir Putin, in addition to now to planning anti-satellite weapons in space and bearing responsibility for the death of his most popular opponent, Alexei Navalny, thinks he can wait Ukraine out. And he thinks he can wait out all of us. We need to prove him wrong. She is such a liar. Mm -hmm. Kharkiv, one of Ukraine's proudest eastern cities, a Russian-speaking city, is being bombarded. She's right. By the Ukrainians, it's being bombarded, not by the Russians. The depravity, 
judge the monsters that we have in our leadership, uh, in any sane and, 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 and decent uh, government, uh, someone like Victoria Newland would have been fired after her stint in Vice President Cheney's office 20 years ago because of her role in the Iraq war. She would have been in prison for it if we really truly were a, a, a decent society. Uh, let alone a society uh, that functioned under a rule of law or under a constitution that meant anything. But here you have her 20 years later, one uh, catastrophe, one horror show after another overseas, one failed American effort overseas after another. And she's still in these positions saying these bold faced lies, saying these 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 half truths, saying these myth truths. Uh, you know, it's just so the, the, the again, it comes back to the corruption within our own system, the corruption yeah. within the American political establishment, within our government, uh, within our foreign policy circles that allow for the success of someone who is just characteristically who, who's 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 defining trait is moral and intellectual dishonesty. Uh, but that's, you know, that, that and, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Right. I mean, it seems yeah. that if you want to climb to the top. In our system, these are the traits you should possess is this moral, is this willingness to be morally and intellectually dishonest, whether you actually are that or not. It's a, 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 at the risk of raising your blood pressure, my dear friend. Here she is again, number nine, Chris, claiming as a result of all the American aid, it's hard for me to say this with a straight face, to Ukraine, the United States of America is now safer without sending a single U.S. soldier into combat and investing less than one-tenth of one year's defense budget of the United States, we have helped Ukraine destroy 50% of Russia's ground combat power, 50%, and 20% of its vaunted Black Sea fleet. Ukraine has taken off the battlefield 21 naval ships, 102 Russian aircraft, and 2,700 Russian tanks. By every measure, Ukraine's bravery and strength, its resilience, has made the United States safer, too. I would uh, uh, invite her to debate my dear friend, Captain Matthew Ho, and I will moderate the debate. She won't accept it because she don't, wouldn't think I'd be fair, but I would love for you to take her on as to how she could possibly make that argument, Matt, that somehow the United States is safer. We are poorer? And and Ukrainian um, men, half a million of them, not thirty-one thousand, like President Zelensky claims, are dead. Right. We, we're we're signing up to spend sixty, seventy, eighty billion dollars a year on an unwinnable war that risks escalating into a nuclear conflict, uh, and that's not hyperbole. That's a real risk. Uh, all for the sake of Victoria Newland's ideology for her ego, for proving her legacy correct. And what I'd really like to see more than a debate between myself and her is just to see how the families of the Ukrainians whose, whose sons have been killed in this war react to such things. To right. hear so cleanly and so clearly from the likes of Victoria Newland, and not just from her, from, from all manners and all aspects of, of American officials, both in the executive and the legislative branch, who tout this, that this is a good investment, 
that we're spending really good money. Look, we're spending all this money. We've destroyed all of these Russians. Most of that money goes back into the American military industrial complex. So our corporations are making money off of this. And the only thing that's happening is that Ukrainians are getting killed for it. Right. I mean, how would those Ukrainian households where, where they've got the, the, the portraits of dead sons and fathers and brothers over their mantles, where they're sitting there, these young men, uh, not even young men, because we know the average age in Ukraine for fighting right now is 43. Uh, these men who are missing their arms, their legs, who, who are dealing with the psychological trauma of these wars. What is their reception to that hearing how they were so clearly uh, they've been so clearly depicted as pawns in an effort by the United States to, one, enrich its defense contractors, enrich its merchants of death, uh, and two, to weaken uh, Russia in a proxy war by using uh, the men of Ukraine as completely expendable pawns in a meat grinder. Let me show you now how dangerous Victoria Newland is. Because this nonsense that she is preaching is catching. Mm. Number 11, Chris. Here's the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, talking about the feasibility and probability of troops on the ground, French troops on the ground in Ukraine. There is no consensus today to send ground troops in an official, endorsed and sanctioned manner, but in dynamic terms, nothing should be ruled out. But in dynamic terms, nothing should be ruled out. Similar attitudes on the part of the, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, even though they don't have much of an army. Similar attitude on the part of the Prime Minister uh, of Poland. Uh, Colonel McGregor reporting there's probably a secret agreement between Poland uh, and uh, and Ukraine. So you are correct when you warn, I think, and there's a lot of evidence for this, uh, of the coming of, uh, of a world war. Joe Biden's losing to Donald Trump. When all else fails, they take you to war. Would he take us to World War III if he thought that would be necessary to get him reelected? I don't know if you can answer that, but there's certainly evidence for it. There, there certainly is. And this could happen in a manner that uh, would be lightning fast. Uh, say the Ukrainian army collapses, which is which is possible. Uh, some would say it's likely. Uh, and the Russians move quickly through central Ukraine, heading towards western Ukraine. Uh, would, say, the Romanians and the Poles uh, move forward into Ukraine to block the Russian advance. But you've also seen uh, these... Uh, bilateral security agreements signed between Germany, France, and the UK with Ukraine. And supposedly more of these agreements are coming between other nations and in and, and Ukraine. And they're they're pretty they're pretty meek uh, in terms of they're not they're not saying these agreements don't say that they will send forces to fight. They just basically reiterate what these nations have already done in terms of in the future we will continue to send weapons and money to Ukraine to fight Russia. But the rhetoric is there. And the fact that lines are not being drawn and the lines that are there are very vague. And you have Macron saying things like, uh, you know, it's not ruled out 
that we may send forces to uh, to to Ukraine. And certainly Rishi Sunak, the British prime minister, has been much more aggressive talking about sending a British expeditionary force, which, of course, if you understand that term, it makes you recall the first and second world wars where the British called the troops they put into continental Europe an expeditionary force, the BEF. And but the, as you said, Judge, the Brits, you, you could put the entire British army into where the giants and jets play at the Meadowlands. Uh, that's how big the British army is. It's about wow. 76,000 men right now, men and women right now. Wow. I mean, so their ability to actually go and fight, but that doesn't matter because your point being is correct. Would that bring the U.S. into the war? That's and I don't envision that the Brits or the French or the Germans or the Poles will put troops in the front lines with the Ukrainians. What I think would happen, God help us, this does because this is bad enough, that they would put troops into the reserve areas. So that the the NATO troops that would go into these that would go into Ukraine would fill in in the support roles, and then those Ukrainian troops that are in support roles they could then go to the front lines, which of course just means more Ukrainian men being used as pawns in this meat grinder. But the danger is that what happens if any of those troops, any of those European troops, those NATO troops get killed? What's the response going to be? And the same thing too if you're staging from. Germany, from Poland, from Romania to support combat operations into Ukraine. Well, the Russians have been clear about this. That makes those those positions in Poland, Romania, Germany, wherever targets that makes them uh, uh, targets that that they that need to be countered. So well, we can see very quickly how the escalation of this would build and how would the American Congress act? How would an American president act if our ally who is, you know, who are who've proven so loyal, who are so sympathetic, uh, who are such sycophants uh, as the British are? How, what would we do if they lost troops in Ukraine? Would we just stand idly by? Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, so the, the ways we could we could see this escalate. You I mean, it doesn't take much imagination to see how this could just branch off onto paths of just really, really dangerous, uh, uh, you know, dangerous uh, 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 circumstances uh, leading to things that we just don't want to contemplate. Because once you start going up that ladder of escalation, um, you know, there's no way to go either but to continue to go up or to come down it. And no one in NATO, you're not seeing any of our leaders in Western Europe or the United States giving us the confidence that if that escalation started occurring, that they would have the wisdom and the political courage to go back down that ladder of escalation. The uh, CIA leaks to the New York Times that it has 12 of its bases in Ukraine. Well, that means the Russian intel knows where they are. Uh, it leaks that it is helping uh, guide Ukrainians uh, to send uh, offensive ammunition into Russia. The weaponry is built by the United States. The ammunition is American. The guidance systems are American. The people helping them do it are American CIA. Is the United States waging war on Russia? Yes, it is. It is. I mean, it, it's clear when you see uh, what we just saw from Victoria Newland. And again, we've heard that from many, many others throughout the American government, both in Congress and in uh, the executive branch, uh, that the purpose of this war, and this was stated early on, Secretary of Defense Austin said this in April of 2022, that the purpose of the war was to weaken Russia. And you've seen throughout, uh, not just the US, but the West, this idea that this war, use again of Ukraine as a proxy 
would be what is needed to cause the destabilization in Russia to bring about regime change. The idea that Russia would be involved in this war, it would just bleed out economically. It would cause mass trauma, of, uh, you know, in terms of the Russian markets. Uh, the, and, and then that discontent among the people would bring the Russian government down. We've seen completely the opposite. We've seen a Russian economy that is very strong. The Russians obviously prepared their economy very well. Uh, for this war, uh, but we've also seen support for the Russia for, for both the war and for the Russian government remain constant these last two years. So this 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 theory basically that they had that they would use the Ukrainians to weaken Russia, basically you know a, a form of war, uh, not a form of war, a war, uh, has just proven not just you know to not just to have not worked. But it's been catastrophic for the Ukrainian people. It's brought us again to this risk of escalation, which where we're, we're facing the dangers of a world of a world war. But also, too, it's been counterproductive because it, it has actually strengthened Russia. It's it's strengthened Russia's ties with other nations abroad, and it's further isolated the United States and its client states and, and you know its vassal states in Europe. Matt Ho, thank you very much. Great. Great analysis uh, on top of your game, as always. Much appreciated. I hope you'll come back again with us next week. Thanks, Judge. Of course, my friend. Uh, coming up at 3 o'clock uh, Eastern, uh, a conversation about similar things with somewhat of her eye on the target of the spokesperson for the State's, the State Department over the weekend, uh, Karen Kwiatkowski. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.